pastoral time out, and he addresses the issue of suffering. Um, and it's kind of an interesting thing that Paul would jump from talking about the Holy Spirit and talking about these theological concepts to talking about suffering. But what we find is that the two are really interwoven. And so we'll see that um, today. And so this morning is really talking about more than just suffering and the normal ebb and flow of life, more than just having to sit for 15 minutes to get gas at the gas pumps. Um, but this is the kind of devastating suffering that Paul is thinking about. It's the kind of suffering that Paul experienced when he was shipwrecked. It's the kind of a suffering that Paul experienced when he had his body flogged, when he was whipped, uh, when he was almost stoned to death, the kind of suffering that the Apostle Paul felt on a normal basis as he was going out and sharing the gospel with people. And so this is the kind of suffering that the, that the Bible wants to speak to us to, about this morning, the kind of suffering that when the, you call the doctor and he says, you know what, it is cancer. This is the kind of suffering that uh, happens when you discover that your parents are getting a divorce. This is the kind of suffering when you uh, raise up your children under the Word of God for 18 years, and then they go off to college and they discover that they don't want to have anything to do with, uh, with the Lord anymore, and they begin to live in wanton sin. Or like when your grandchildren are being raised up in a totally secular environment, and there's nothing that you can do about it. Like when you see that little girl, that little boy that you love so much, that you pour God's Word and His truth into, that you try to build up biblical self-esteem into, and then the more that you seem to pour God's love and God's truth in them, the more the world just wants to rip and tear it down. Or like when you come home one night and your husband says that he's tired of you and that he wants to be separated that he doesn't love you anymore. And he leaves you not only with pain in your heart, but he leaves you with children. It's that kind of devastating moment that the Word of God wants to speak to this morning. Um, and Paul's been talking about this over the last couple of chapters. We saw this a couple of weeks ago, Romans chapter 8 and verse 18. Paul says that, I consider the suffering of this present time not to be worthy of comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Paul's again talking about this devastating kind of suffering. And he says when we experience that devastating kind of suffering, one of the ways that we can be encouraged is remember future glorification, to remember that God's going to take us out of this world, that God's going to give us a new body, an imperishable body, a body that won't decay, a body that won't die, a body that won't and not only that, but God's also going to glorify His creation, that God's going to place us back in a Garden of Eden-like state, that God's going to place us back in this place where there will be no harm uh, that would happen to us. And you say, well, um, and so that, that's kind of one idea. Then Paul says, hey, look, I have another idea for you here. I have another reason why you can be encouraged in the midst of your suffering. And he comes to that here in Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and 27. So I'm going to ask if you would to stand to your feet for God's Word, for the reading of God's Word, Romans chapter 8 verses 26 and 27. This is the second encouragement that we can feel in the midst of devastating uh, times. Here we go, verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. You may be seated. All right, I'd just like to walk through these verses together, beginning at verse 26. Paul begins there with the word likewise. Now, the word likewise takes everything that Paul's about ready to say and connects it back to the topic that he had just got done talking about. Again, the topic he had just gotten done talking about was this topic of suffering. And he says, again, the first reason why we can be encouraged in the midst of our suffering is to remember future glorification. Remember that this world is not the end, but there's eternity to come and that God's going to give us a perfect world, a perfect environment, and a perfect body uh, to live in. And then he goes on to say, but look, there's a second reason that we can be encouraged. He says, verse 26, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. And how does the Spirit help us in our weakness? How does the Spirit help us when we're down? Paul writes, well, when we do not know what to pray as we ought, the Spirit himself intercedes for us. 
That means that the Spirit of God prays on our behalf, as the text says, with groanings too deep for words. Verse 27, Paul goes on to say kind of the same thing. He says, and he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints. So there again is the Spirit praying, assisting us in our prayers according to the will of God. And so these verses tell us that not only do we have future glorification to look forward to, not only is future glorification a reason for us to feel encouraged, but in addition we have Spirit-assisted prayer. You know, as I was researching this passage this past week, it kind of it, uh, dawned on me that much of the ministry that... Um, that is performed on our behalf is done by angels. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 14, talking about angels there, he says, Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who inherit salvation? Friends, when you call upon God for help, and God decides that he wants to step in some measure in the midst of that and give you some help, some aid, the help that he brings comes on behalf of angels. But here in Romans chapter 8, we learn that when life really throws you a curveball, that when devastation hits, when there's a real anguish of souls that takes place, God does not send his angels to minister to you, but rather God himself, through his Holy Spirit, comes to minister on your behalf. And what does God do, or what does the Holy Spirit say? What does the Holy Spirit do on your behalf? Back to verse 26, says, "...likewise the Spirit helps us in our weakness." By weakness, he means the burdens that we face in life, the sufferings that we face, the really deep ones, not the little bumps in the road, but this is the rough kind of stuff that we go through. Paul describes these times as times when we do not know what to pray for as we ought. Again, this is not the normal, everyday problems of life, which God does help us with, but the focus here are the times of intense struggle, the times of intense emotion and devastation when we do not even have words to pray. It's in those times when we don't even know how to pray, when we don't even know if we can say anything, and all we can do is groan under the weight of it. Then the Bible says that the Spirit of God comes to our aid, assists us in prayer, and intercedes or prays to God the Father on our behalf. You know, I found that during these times, people are often paralyzed in prayer. We don't, perhaps we just feel like we don't know what we would say. And so we say, why mess with it? Or we think to ourselves, you know what, I, I, I don't feel like I can go to God right now. I'm emotionally so torn. I'm emotionally so ripped apart that I don't know how I could go and get on my knees before him. And so, again, we just say, I'm just not going to pray. The Spirit of God says, hold on a minute. I've got help. I've got aid to bring to you. He says in verse 26, the Spirit intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. The Holy Spirit of God gets deep into our emotions, gets deep into how we're feeling and what we're, what we're going through, and expresses that to God the Father. Verse 27, the Spirit intercedes, that is, stands in the gap for the saints according to the will of God. Now, some folks have taken this to mean that... Um, the Holy Spirit's going to do all the work, and the Holy Spirit's going to intercede for us. And we, so we just say, hey, Holy Spirit, you pray for me, and while you're praying for me, I'm going to go watch TV. And that's not the idea that Paul has here in mind. What's going on is when we drop to our knees in prayer and pour out our devastated soul to God, that in those times the Holy Spirit drops to his knees right alongside of us, and he himself helps us pray. You say, well, what is he talking to God about? He's talking to God the Father about your problems. He's expressing what it is that you're feeling. 
He's communicating what you're going through in a way that perhaps you can't put words to. And he's sharing that with God the Father, and he appeals to God the Father for help, for grace, and for strength. One last thing before we get to our most important question, and that is that not only does the Holy Spirit take our groaning to God, but he also brings something back from God. Um, I've got a scripture here on the screen for you, Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6. Paul writes, he says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And then he says this, verse 7, And the peace of God. See, that's what God brings you. You bring God your prayers, you bring God your petitions, you bring God how you're feeling, and what God gives you in exchange is the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. You see, what happens is the Spirit of God takes our suffering and he takes our anguish, and he presents it to God the Father and prays for us, and then in response, the Spirit of God brings back from God the Father the peace of God. And after this kind of prayer time on your knees, you'll be able to get up off your knees with your heart encouraged, with your spirit lifted, and with your heart at rest, even though there is turbulence all around you. And you'll be able to have the peace of God in the midst of that storm of life. Friends, you ask any Christian, how did they get through the deep waters? And it won't be because of the pastor's preaching. You can smile. I know it's not. That's not how they got through it. And it won't be because well-meaning Christians called them on the phone or sent them encouraging notes, and those are wonderful things to do. But friends, that's not what gets people through devastating times of life. What gets them through devastating times of life is by getting on their knees, spending time in front of the Father, and allowing the Holy Spirit to minister to them, allowing the Holy Spirit to speak the words that they don't even have to speak themselves. And that's what gets them through. A peace that they got when they sank to their knees too much in anguish to put pain into words. But they fell on their face before God anyway. And they let the Spirit of God do the praying for them. And as they groaned and sighed in anguish before God, they let God be their intercessor. And God work out the plans for the future. And they let God minister to their heart. And by the time all their groaning was done, the peace of God had entered into their heart. Friends, what enables us to make it through times of intense pain and suffering and struggle, it's not only looking forward to future glorification, but the Scriptures reveal it's also the Spirit coming alongside of us and assisting us and ministering to us in times of deep prayer. All right, well, that's our treatment of this text for today, and so that means it's time to ask our most important question, the question we ask every week around here. What difference does all this make to my life? I've got a couple of things couple of responses. First of all, when you are really hurting, um, I know that those are the times when you feel like praying the least. But what the scriptures reveal to us is those are the times when we need to be praying the most. And we need to be before God and we need to allow the Holy Spirit to minister to us. Even if you don't think that you've got something to say, even if you're not sure what to ask for, it doesn't matter. The place of solace is on your knees. The place where God ministers to the soul is on your knees. The place where God takes you in his arms and rocks you till the intensity of the pain is better, friends, that happens on your knees. The place where God gives you his supernatural peace that surpasses all understanding happens on your knees. 
So let me challenge you that the more painful the trial, the more precious is prayer. There's a great hymn that uh, really hasn't been sung for many generations, um, and it has a great message too. It was written by Thomas More back in the 1800s. I believe he was an Irishman. And I just want to share some of the, the first stanza from this hymn with you. He writes these words. It's called, the, name of the, the title of the hymn is called, Come Ye Disconsolate. He writes, Come ye disconsolate, wherever you languish. Come at God's altar, fervently kneel. Here bring your wounded hearts. Here tell your anguish. Earth has no sorrow that heaven cannot heal. Let me share those words with you again. Come ye disconsolate, where'er you languish. Come at God's altar, fervently kneel. Here bring your wounded heart. Here tell your anguish. Earth has no sorrow that heaven cannot heal. Friends, what do you do when you're hurting so bad that you don't know what to do? You get on your knees and you let God say for you what you're unable to say for yourself. You say, Gordon, I'm not good with words. I'm not, I'm not one of these people that you call on on Sunday mornings to pray. I wouldn't know what to say. I feel kind of silly doing that. Um, you know, what do I do? Well, friends, what these verses are telling us is that you don't have to have words to do business with God. Now, I know that may sound like, well, Gordon, are you telling me to pray without words? No, I'm not telling you to not pray without, to pray without words. I mean, Jesus, when he was instructed by the disciples, came and said, Jesus, will you please teach us how to pray? Jesus told them to pray with words. Um, he said, don't do like the pagan. Don't babble. Don't say the word. It was actually a translation from the Greek of the word bata. And they used this in the pagan temples. They would say bata, 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 kind of in a meditative state. And Jesus said, don't pray like that, but rather pray with words, intelligible words. But friends, this is not normal times of life. This is not the normal ebb and flow, normal struggle of life that we're talking about here. Rather, we're talking about a time of life when you are in deep anguish before God. And in those moments, the Bible says that it is perfectly okay to get down on your face before God and not have anything to say at all but rather just to allow the Holy Spirit to wash over you, to minister to you, and to express what you're feeling in words to God the Father. When he's done, you'll get up from your knees, and God will have replaced the groaning with the peace of Almighty God. Um, I, uh, this has been back when I was in college. I remember one evening, I, uh, I was I just had an impression that I needed to pray for this individual. As a friend of mine from back home, I knew that she was on the mission field, and I didn't know what was going on. I just, oh, it's been an emotional week, golly. I did this last week. I'm so sorry. Um, <clears throat> whew, goodness. But I, it's wonderful to live close to the heart of God. That's what you're seeing right now. And it, it's just a wonderful thing. So I'll make it through. Um, I mean, you could talk about the green grass and the pretty flowers outside. I'd probably start crying. So, <clears throat> But uh, this close friend of mine, she was off on the mission field, and I didn't know why I was feeling this impression to pray. So, so not, not knowing what to pray, not knowing what to say, I, um, I went down the hall, and I found one of my good buddies. And I said, 
I don't know what's going on. I said, I just feel like I need to pray for her. And so we lift her up in prayer. And I, again, didn't know what to pray for. Just prayed for her and said, God, you know what's going on. You know the situation. M- maybe, maybe we've lost our minds. I, I don't know. But, uh, but we're praying for her. We're lifting her up right now. And uh, come to find out about a week later, um, she was physically had some stuff that had happened, and she was being life-flighted from South America back to the States right, right during that time when we were praying. She was literally in danger of losing her life. That's the God we serve. That's the God we serve. He can see what's happening across the globe. He can see what's happening in your future. And friends, he can position you to get on your knees and ask God for his help. Ask God for his aid. And he'll bring you exactly what you need. And maybe some of you have been through times like this. Maybe some of you are going through stuff like this right now. Let me tell you that God makes us a promise here. And his promise is real. You give God the groans, friends, and he will give you back his peace. One last thought, and it's really because I see in evangelical circles sometimes on this issue, uh, that this issue has been treated in a way that really kind of distorts the word of God and what God's teaching here in these verses. And so I just want to share just a little bit on that, along those lines. Uh, there's a movement in evangelical circles, and I would call these the name it and claim it preachers. You say, you know, they say, tell God what you want, name it, claim it in the name of Jesus, believe that Jesus is going to give it to you, and uh, he'll give it to you. Friends, the times that I have had some of the greatest disappointments are when I thought I knew what I needed, and I asked God for it. And God in his mercy, or rather not his mercy, his, I guess his wisdom, went ahead and gave it to me anyway, because I needed to learn a lesson. I think about a guy by the name of Samson. Samson was, uh, he wanted this Philistine woman. Terribly bad. He wanted to be married to her. And his mom tried to talk him out of it, and his dad tried to talk him out of it, and God tried to talk him out of it. But Samson just knew that he needed to marry this Philistine woman. And so God gave him what he asked for. He named it, he claimed it, and God gave it. You know, I wonder years later, as Samson was about to die in disgrace, tied up to a post in the Philistine palace with his eyes gouged out, if he had wondered... To himself, God, you know, I wish that you had never granted me what it was that I had asked for. The God Samson serves, the God that we serve, is the God who can look down the corridor of time and knows the end from the beginning, and he knows what is best for you. And so, friends, sometimes unanswered prayer is really the very best thing. And so our prayer needs to be a prayer like what Jesus prayed. When we're down in it, and we're asking God, and we're experiencing deep anguish, 
Sometimes, and we think we know what we need, sometimes our prayer needs to simply be the prayer of Jesus in the garden, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. And the greatest blessing will then flow from that. All right, let's sum up. If you're hurting, prayer is the place to go. Even if you don't feel like it, just drop down to your knees anyway. Number two, when you get on your knees, let the Spirit of God do the work. Even if you don't have the words to pray, that's all right. God can hear and understand sighs and groans. And the Holy Spirit will replace that with peace. Third and finally, if you're not sure what to ask for, my advice is let the Spirit of God do the asking for you. Let the Spirit of God do the praying for you, and you'll be glad that you did. Let's pray together. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we know that suffering is not a bad thing, that because we're going through times of struggle, it does not mean that we have done something wrong or that you are against us. Lord, it is simply, in many occasions, Lord, just the fact that we live in a fallen world and that bad things happen. Lord, what we need more than anything else in those moments is for your Holy Spirit to come alongside of us, to minister to our hearts, to speak what we're unable to speak, and, Lord, to lift up our broken hearts and replace it with your peace. God, as we come around this table today to be reminded of your broken body and of your shed blood, we know, Lord, that you yourself looked at that cross and hesitated. Not for sure that this was exactly the right path, even though your whole life had been steering toward it. And so, Jesus, may we have your heart in those difficult moments to pray, not our will, not what we want, not what we think is best, but, Lord, what you know is what's best. Lord, we give you this space. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would minister to our hearts, that you would give us direction, wisdom, and more than anything, your supernatural peace. We pray all these things in Christ's holy name. Amen. The communion elements are there in the seat in front of you. If you would like to receive those and then come forward for a time of prayer, we invite you to do that as we sing our closing song.